Turning again to that portion of the word that we read in the book of Revelation. Revelation. And we find our text in chapter 22, the last chapter. And we read in verse 3, Revelation 22 and at verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. You may or may not remember some of you that we looked at this a couple of months ago. I think it was in our prayer meeting night. Particularly uh, the service that is speak, spoken about there at the end of the verse. And we saw uh, there the idea of service, which of course is not confined to heaven and which indeed begins not in heaven, but here on earth when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that service is perfected in glory. In this world, we seek to serve the Lord if we love him. And we struggle to do so because of our own sinful nature and the sin of the world around us. But in glory, our service which will be individual and corporate as well, together with the church redeemed, it will there be unhindered and unending. There will be nothing there to mar in any way our worship of our Lord and Savior. So this text really, when we look at these things, is to do with heavenly service. And the great difference between how we are able to serve the Lord in this world and in glory, and as in one sense it hinges very much, does it not, on this word, the words that we find that we'd like to look at this morning at the beginning of verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. No more cash. And we have that, of course, as you will well know also in Galatians chapter 3. And no more cash, because the one that we will then be worshipping in glory became a cash for us. Again, quoting from Revelation, from Galatians. Yes, of course, that for us today and in this life, but it will be seen and understood more when we are where he now is, awaiting his church, awaiting his people, where in its fullness, the evidence of it, friends, will be there before our eyes. He will be there. And he will be there enthroned in glory. And no sin and no curse of any kind 
can be where the enthroned Lord sits. There shall be no more cush. Now the word cush also, as you know, is used in different ways in Scripture. In the Old Testament, especially, you'll find it connected to punishment when God's law is violated. We can go back all the way to what is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. Because of the sin in the garden there, and then that word kush is first brought before us, the idea of punishment of the violation of God's law. And in the New Testament also, it is used in different ways. For example, we know that, and that is what we focus on today, of Christ being made a kush to bring us out of the cursed state that we were in by nature, being the children of Adam. We also have it sometimes spoken about, if you like us, what we would call a swear word. And we have the perfect example of that, do we not, sadly, in the life of Peter and his denial of the Lord. But it's an interesting study to go through the different places where the word is used, uh, particularly in the New Testament scriptures. But now we have the picture of glory, and there there shall be no more cash. To look at that then, first of all, this morning, and the characteristics of those not now under the cash. Some characteristics of those not now under the cash. Now, there are those such here this very day. Here in this world, every Christian, this can be said of them, still sinners, but nevertheless as believers, we're already freed from the power of sin, from the condemnation of the law, and therefore we are not under the curse. And that is something that we have to remind ourselves of, while we're still aware of our sin, we are not under the curse any longer. Because we read again, going back to Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us. What has he redeemed you from? From the curse of the law. And that is the situation that belongs to every person who has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that we have nothing to do with sin, but we have to do with being redeemed from the curse of the law. That is every believer's state today already in this world as believers. You see, there is now that new standing that is yours if you're a Christian here today. There's that new relationship with God that you didn't have at one time. Having been called by God, having been called through his word, having been convicted and convinced by the work of the Spirit, and being brought into that new relationship, indeed brought to the place where first of all, in one way or another, what has happened? that you have seen your need 
And so you cry, what must I do to be saved? Saved out of my condition, saved out of my sin, saved from the curse that now I have come to realize that I am under. And all such now have heard the answer, if you're a Christian here today. You've heard the answer that was needed for yourself. What must I do to be saved? And the answer to that question, you have responded to it in faith and now know the mercy and forgiveness of God. And you know the freedom from the curse that you were under the demands of the law. And that surely is a characteristic of every single person who is a Christian in this world and in this congregation today. And so that is the question, is it not, for you and I today? Is this true of myself? Am I one today who has that assurance? Am I one today who believes? Have I gone and said, what must I do to be saved in one way or another? Have you approached God in that way? Have you prayed that prayer? Have you asked that for yourself? And the demands of the law and the curse that you're under, is that still so for you? Friend, what do you know of this for yourself? And so that curse for the believer that is habit, and as I said in Genesis 3 at the very beginning, which along with all mankind that the Christian was at one time under, you are no longer under it. You have been redeemed from it. Now, what is that knowledge, that understanding now? What will be true of you? What will that have brought about in your experience? Well, many things, of course. But you'd realize to some degree, I'm a sinner. I'm under the curse of the law. But I have a Savior who became a curse for me. I have a Savior who has redeemed me. And you realize to some degree, in different ways for us all in something, but we must all come to the same place. Realize the cost of my salvation and to realize I couldn't have saved myself. I could never have met the demands of God's law. The law's demands, I couldn't have met it. And therefore, I would have remained under that curse forever. And so now, having come to realize what has been done for you, what will be true of you? Surely this, that you will seek to walk in obedience to the law of God. Despite being no longer under its curse, you will see it as something that you seek to live by. Friend, it is not a case of, well, I'm saved, so the law doesn't apply to me any longer. It has never applied to you more, and your understanding of it, if you have come to realize the curse that was involved in it. And now the Christian sees the law so differently. Isn't that true for yourself? What before was anathema to you? What do you see now? How do you see these things now? Indeed, the law, the word of God, even in its entirety, 
Can you not say with the psalmist now, Oh, how love I thy law. Would to God, friends, it would be our study all the day. That it would be what would guide us and that we would live by it in this life. Surely then, friends, if you are not under the curse anymore, you will see and know something of that for yourself. Coming, being brought from being under the curse. Indeed, remember how Isaiah speaks about it in Isaiah 12, that you now put your amen to what Isaiah says there. Though thou wast angry with me, now thine anger is turned away. That's the wonder of what Christ has done. Yes, God was angry with me, but oh, how you're thankful today, Krishna, you're not. Thine anger is turned away. Do you know that for yourself? Are you aware of that in your own experience? Does that mean, friends, of course, for you, that you're no longer aware of what the curse means or not at all? You're more aware of what it means now than you were ever before. Such are aware of its evidence not just all around you in this life still, Christian, are you not? But more than that, is there not still evidence of what the curse of sin means in the lives of all around you and in your own life as you continue to struggle through this world? The flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Yes, you can know that you are no longer the curse. And still at the same time, there is that fight going on, that struggle that goes on with your old self. But even in the midst of it, this will be true of you as well. This will be one of the characteristics of the Christian, that you will be, nevertheless, knowing all these things, you live by faith and you'll be looking like Abraham was for a city whose builder and maker is God. In other words, all your eyes are seen beyond the law, the curse, sin, and everything else that you have. Yes, the curseless perfection of heaven is not you yet, believer. But you see, what will be a characteristic of the believer is that this life is used as preparation for heaven. Seeking to prepare yourself for that inevitable day that is coming. These are some very basic things of the characteristics of the Christian. That he will have this, aware of where it's been taken from, the curse that he was under, how he has been redeemed from the curse of the law, who has redeemed him, and having come to know that, and understand something of it at least. That now what do you do? You seek to live for Christ. With your eye fixed. The eye of faith beyond this world. And all that is in it. So that then friends. Some characteristics of those not under the curse. But then secondly. The happiness of those in glory now. Where there is no curse. You see, here, we're redeemed if we're the Lord's, 
but there's still the curse there, and there's still the sin around us, though we're not any longer under it. It is still with us, around us, and troubling ourselves also. But what about those now who have attained to glory? In this life, while the believer is free and knows he is free from the penalty of the curse of the law, which of us can say, well, sin therefore doesn't matter to us anymore? Or sin matters to you now more than it ever did before. Because you understand now what it is like. But you see, friend, in glory, there will be nothing of that. And the evidence of this curse and therefore sin, you don't have to look far from yourself in this world to find it. But our friends in glory, to be with Christ, there there shall be no more curse. And there shall be no more curse. What does that mean? Of course, there shall be no more sin. And where there's no more sin, there's no more curse. And where there's no more curse, there's no more sin. And that will be a reason for joy and happiness in glory. For each and every one. My friends, do you think we long for that the way we should? Is it not true that far too often we seem to be so tied to this world? Well, we have to live in it. Of course we do. But would it not be the better for having your eyes lifted to the place where there's no more sin or curse, more than we do, longing for that day, looking into that day, having your mind set upon these things, looking forward to what we have at the end of the previous verse there. There shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Can you imagine that? Oh, friend, what happiness that would give. What marsh your own happiness in this world? What marsh your joy as a Christian, if you're a Christian here today? Is it not this sin that is still there? Sin around you, sin in your own heart still? Yes, of course, in this life you're already part of the body of Christ. Or sometimes you may doubt it, if it can't be so as you are struggling with your sinfulness. But there, you will not only fully realize and understand what that means, but you will also know with a holy, perfect knowledge what your Savior did for you. Oh, you understand it now. You must if you become a Christian. But there'll be a depth to the knowledge in glory. Why he was bruised and wounded. What he had to do to redeem your soul, to bring about that union. That union with himself. And now, in that curseless state, you will understand what that means the humiliation and the suffering of the Holy Son of God endured. Oh, 
the thought of that now sometimes, and indeed will I not say more often than not, it saddens your heart. It grieves you that he had to do this for me, and rightly so. But friends, in glory, there will be no grief, and there will be no sorrow. And such truth, will that make you unhappy or sad in heaven? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We know that the Lord speaks elsewhere in verse 4 of 21, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And that covers everything. There will be no sorrow and no sadness. And so even the sufferings of Christ will be seen in a different light, in a sense that will give you joy in a way that you cannot imagine now. Oh, to be in Christ, oh, what joy that can bring you now. But can you imagine the reality of that in glory? We cannot but think of some who have gone before us already in their souls enjoying what we can only imagine in a small measure. But that's how it will be, friend, ultimately for each and every one of the Lord's people. Oh, truly there without spot or wrinkle. There, friends, what else do we read here in verse 4? And they shall see his face. They shall see his face. Isn't that itself a thought for us? And this is what awaits the Lord's people. You see, that thought will cause the greatest joy and happiness. They shall see us. Imagine that. Do you ever imagine what it looks like? People say, well, we, we cannot. We can, and indeed, we cannot in one sense. But we know what he was. He was a Jew. There are some things we'll know that he wasn't. But I think that even now do we not at times, in our mind's eye, we consider glory. And we consider the lamb in the midst of the throne. And we consider, shall see him face to face. Oh, my friend, if that stirs your heart at times now, how much more will your joy and happiness be in glory? For there that faith shall be swallowed up in sight. And you see Jesus, the Lamb of God. There, friends, no more sin, no more the accusation of conscience that so often troubles us so much. No longer asking, am I his or am I not? Every part of your being Every thought taken up with Christ. And in glory there, wherever you look in glory, there'll be nothing seen and nothing heard and nothing spoken of, but what will glorify the Savior. Joy and happiness, of course there will be. Never again, dear friend, 
wandering thoughts. So many of you today, we came in here at your thoughts, wandering, you're struggling maybe to listen. Never again wandering thoughts. Never again a single sinful action. Never again wandering about wheat and the tears. Never wonder then, friends, with no sin and no curse, heaven will eternally ring with joy and gladness and mirth on every side. And yet also, we have to say this. It's not just about what will not be there, but in one sense, about more of what will be there. What will that be? What will it be that will cause you the greatest happiness and joy? Oh, Christ himself. Christ himself. What would be without sin and without a curse if he wasn't there? Of course, that cannot be. Because there is no sin or curse because he is there. And we can look forward, dear friend, to that ultimate consummation of the bride eternally united with our bridegroom. The reality of it, friend, that's the reality for you, Christian. Wouldn't that be the greatest? People speak about, and in a sense there is, even in this life. I'm the happiest day of my life the day I got married. Well, there's a marriage here, friends. Yes, there has begun here the consummation of it in a real way in glory with the Lord. Oh, my friend in Christ, think about these things. Think more about these things. Fist your spiritual eyes in faith on that glorious day and that glorious place. How then will your heart not rejoice? And I say this to you, my friend, if you're Heart, your spiritual heart does not skip a beat at the thought of that. Oh, how insensitive indeed you are. And now you need to ask the Lord to give you more and more and more of this. To be there, friends, and, you know, never again to hear, arise, let us go hence. Do you think about these things? Can you even now envisage even a little of these things. Yes, even with your mind's eye in faith to consider it. The glory and the happiness and every sin left behind, sins of omission and commission, which bring the cash, all left behind, everything dealt with, and just to be with Christ in the glory. Friends, Surely it would encourage us more as we go on from day to day when we consider the happiness of those in glory and the happiness of glory itself where there is no more curse. Well, thirdly then, the ultimate reason for this happiness, of course. This is where it all comes down to, isn't it? What would keep anyone 
from being happy or joyful in heaven? Well, surely, first of all, if the reality of the curse was still hanging over us. But there shall be no more curse. And that is our reason for the greatest joy. Now, at this time, if we love the Lord, you and I, we, 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 we have to some degree the understanding and thankfulness that we are no longer under the curse. And yet, I'm sure, if not all of us, most of us, from time to time, we have fleeting moments of fears and doubts. But there, my friend, you will not, you cannot see or be aware of anything of the curse. Not under it in this life, but you're still aware of it. But there, because your eyes will be taken up with one, one thing and one himself, the one who has dealt with the curse for you. The one, indeed, we are told who became a curse for you. Oh, the depth of that statement, friends. Who can enter into it? That he became a curse for us. Imagine that. But there, there will be no room, not for one single moment, not for one second, for anything before you but Jesus Christ as your Savior. That will fill your mind, your heart, your soul for eternity. You see there, you will see, you remember elsewhere in Scripture, those who came and said, Sir, we would see Jesus, want to see him. Not even, friend, the idea, the need of a, for us there of a John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Oh, there you can say even to John, Oh, John, I don't need you to point him out to me now. I see him myself. I know him myself. I understand exactly who he is, and I understand now as never before what he has done for me in dealing with my sin and dealing with my curse and taking it upon himself. How could I do other than see him and honor him and glorify him and worship him? No longer like we have in this world, Remember, we read of a job who says that sometimes, I go forward, he is not here. I go backward, I cannot perceive him. But you'll never see that in glory. Because that will never be your situation in glory. You'll never have to say it. You will ever be under his eye, as it were. And he will be in your eyesight forever. Endeavor, endeavor, endeavor. You see, dear friends, in, in Emmanuel's land, he will have all the glory. And in Emmanuel's land, nothing can possibly come in to mar that fellowship. Oh, what joy. 
Oh, what happiness is there for you and I if we are the Lord's. Nothing to spoil our vision. Because there's no one, as Matthew Henry puts it so well, heaven, the devil, he said, has nothing to do there. And you can see why he says that. The devil has nothing to do in heaven. There's no sin and there's no curse. So there's no place for the evil one at all. And you, dear friend there, you can even say, speaking with reverence, as Christ himself said here, the prince of this world has nothing in me. And in glory, you'll be able to say the very same thing. That now will be gone. That will be left behind. What a wonderful thought that itself is, is it not? That the prince of this world, the devil, can find nothing in me. Oh, he finds plenty today, doesn't he? And there's a struggle going on today, isn't it? But there, the prince of this world has nothing in me. My dear friend, are you one who can say that looking in faith to that day? Well, your sin has to be dealt with in this world. He has to become a curse for you in this world. And that itself, friends, the thought of this glory then should rejoice our hearts this morning. Somebody has said that the joy of heaven is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The theme of heaven is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The employment of heaven is the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fullness of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Maybe I can repeat that for you. I've written it down. The joy of heaven is the presence of the Lord. The theme of heaven is the work of the Lord. The employment of heaven is the service of the Lord. And the fullness of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Well, dear friends, as this Christ, this Son of God, this one who was made a curse, the question is, has he done that? For me, as he dealt with that curse for you. The end of the day, that's what you need to know. And at the end of the day, your eternity and mine depends and hangs on that question. Your yes or your no to it. You know yourself what your situation is. Oh, friends, would to God that each of us here would be truly rejoicing in the Lord in this world and look forward to a perfect rejoicing in the world to come. And we can only have that hope if we know him personally today as the one who has dealt with my curse, my sin, my need. And then we can look forward to that glory where some already are, where there is no more 
curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, blessed Lord, help us not to be so earthbound as we are, but to have lift our eyes heavenward, to say, I to the hills will lift mine eyes. From whence doth come my aid? My safety cometh from the Lord, who heaven and earth hath made. We thank thee for the Saviour, who did become a curse for us, and who now is exalted to the right hand of the majesty on high, and where angels and redeemed of the Lord, some already worshipping, and we pray if we are here today that one day all of us will be for sure, to know that he has done all for us. What joy, what gladness, what happiness that we can have a taste of even now, but in its fullness with him in glory, where we shall see him face to face. Oh, hasten the day, Lord, to bring this sad world to its conclusion and save thine own people for Christ's sake. Amen.